0: Welcome to Front Porch Theology. It is myself, Jeremy, and... Myself, Will. Hey, hey Will. How's it going?
1: Good. How are you? Mm.
0: I'm doing great. So this is a bit of a different type of Front Porch Theology we are videotaping. Now, we have voices, or the face for radio. We do have voices. I was we have the face for radio. Yeah. Um, but you know, now we're bringing a camera into it, uh, which brings a different dynamic. I'm not sure how I feel about this. I like this couch, though. The couch is amazing. It's not a new couch. It's not. But it
1: is a revived old couch it is. that we're it's on. It is. Definitely revived. So maybe explain to us, Jeremy, first of all, uh, why we're doing an episode of the podcast on video today. Mm.
0: Yeah. So. Because
1: I'm not quite sure why.
0: Well, the reason. Well, I don't know why we're doing it on video, but I know why we're doing this particular okay. episode. All right. Um, we're doing it on video because I think Baker wanted to do it on video. I think he said, you guys are going to be videoed. Yeah. And it's kind of like taking the place of a sermon because it's the end of Mark. Yeah. And some people may be curious why on earth we didn't finish Mark. So at
1: our church, we historically have preached through books of the Bible, all the way through, verse by verse, start to finish. Yep. And we have just finished up at New Heights Church the Gospel of Mark, which took like a year and a half. But did we? But did we finish it?
0: (laughs) Because we stopped at verse 8. Yeah. And my Bible has verses 9 through 20.
1: Well, the Lord's Bible doesn't. Um, so we didn't give a full Sunday dedicated to the ending of the Gospel of Mark. So we said we would release a video, and it's going to double. So if you're watching the video and you don't normally listen to the podcast, we can kind of um, let you know the podcast exists. Um, and we got a handful of people, you know, like, two or three, that yeah, maybe like, listen to the podcast outside of our church as your well. Your mom. My mom and my dad. And my grandmother. Yeah, they're big fans. <laughs> so thanks for listening, guys.
0: Absolutely. Uh, no, so we, uh, so we, uh, you said that we didn't finish the end of Mark, but we did. We so did. So why is it that we're not calling verses 9 through 20 the end of Mark? Because the earliest manuscripts
1: uh, do not seem to have... That ending of the Gospel of Mark. Um, I've got my handy-dandy ESV here.
0: Now, there there are a lot of manuscripts that do, but the oldest. That's true. right? The oldest manuscripts, there are several that do not, but l- there are very, very old ones that do have it.
1: So the ESV hits enter a couple times. There's a couple indentations, and yeah. in all caps, it says some of the earliest manuscripts do not include verses 9 through 20. Yeah. Um, so, it's interesting to me, first of all, it is almost universally accepted that these verses are not inspired, not part of the what we call the canon
0: of Scripture. Um, there are some who disagree, but yeah. KJV people only. Yeah. They the, would disagree.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's another podcast for
0: another day, it, maybe. It is. It is.
1: But I think, I think what is interesting is like any kind of what I would say like serious scholarly study of how we receive the Bible, those scholars acknowledge and understand that um, when, when they look at the earliest manuscripts that archaeologists have found, that these verses just aren't there. In addition to the just, just archaeology is the textual analysis. Mm-hmm. The, the writing style in Greek um, is different than the rest of the writing style uh, for the rest of Mark's gospel. Um, there's just some clear differences here. And, um, and yeah, for even thousands of years ago in the manuscripts, there were, there were priests and scribes who were cop making copies before the printing press was invented. They're making copies of this by hand and they're noting the right. fact that this was, uh, potentially a later edition or at least not in Mark and style. And so that there was like hesitancy as far back as a, over a thousand years ago to so, this. So
0: here's my question. um, why why did someone do this? why would someone put this in there to begin with? well,
1: i think um i think there's a couple of reasons. reason number 1, and uh, when i preached on the last part of mark, I, I mentioned this reason. i think one of the reasons, and maybe the main reason, is because mark ends his gospel very abruptly. He does. and it's not really a happy ending. um he ends it in verse 8. I will just read verse eight, it says, "They being the, the women who witnessed the, the empty tomb, they went out, they fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone
0: for they were afraid. See, I see here's the thing, I love the ending. Because we know the rest of the story, but you love—I do—non-normal endings. This is true, <laughs> like yeah. like those darker endings when you're like, "Oh man!" Like
1: it, every every Disney villain, you try to argue is a good guy somehow.
0: Gaston is Gaston, but that's a whole different. That's another podcast. Scar, like yeah, well, you, you, he, how he is, is Scar, not a villain. That's on our Disney podcast. We can. Well, we can, Patrick I'm, is going to be on that one. He's hosting. The, he yeah, that yeah. One. I'm just
1: saying, like you, you love this, like you know. It's unexpected, you know, it yeah. doesn't end the way you, you anticipate. It doesn't have like the Disney fairy tale type of ending. Right.
0: No, I, I love the way it ends. And I think part of it is I think you may have touched on the Sunday, um, but this idea that you have these people that are fearful, um, and you see this process. Like we saw where they ended, but we also know well, we excuse me, we saw where they were, but we also saw where they ended later on in their in their journey. Yeah. So in in the beginning of their uh, journey and this in this faith, they started off weak, but we saw the Lord grow them to the point where they're no longer afraid. They're telling people, right. and so it's really neat to see, um, to kind of see part two of this early church's journey. Yeah. Well,
1: let me um, before I give the second reason, I think there's a big second reason that yeah. this was added in um, by unknown authors who made manuscripts copies of Mark's gospel. But before I give you the second reason, I want to read the whole text so verses 9 through 20 of Mark chapter 16 it says now when he rose early on the first day of the week he appeared first to Mary Magdalene from whom he had cast out seven demons she went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept but when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her they would not believe it after these things he appeared in another form to two of them as they were walking into the country and they went back and told the rest but they did not believe them afterward he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table and he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen and he said to them go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation whoever believes and is baptized will be saved but whoever does not believe will be condemned And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. Now, when you read that... Here comes the second reason I think it was added by men and not inspired by God. Um, when you read that, it has a heavy feeling of of charismaticism and supernatural gifts, which the rest of the Gospel of Mark doesn't have. Right. Uh, so Jesus carries right. out a lot of miracles and stuff, but Mark's focus in all of the supernatural things that Jesus does, Mark's focus is, He actually tells them to not talk about the supernatural. Um, When people are wanting healings and stuff, Jesus withdraws from those crowds so he can preach the truth. He says, I didn't come to heal, I came to preach. Um, All of these types of things. And so the charismaticism that's focused on here, I think, has tones of like those in the early church that wanted wanted this to be so prominent added it in to their happy ending so that they could have some scriptural evidence to... Um, the supernatural you know signs wonders speaking in tongues handling snakes that kind of thing yeah
0: so there's things in here that are definitely odd and I want to get to each of those but there's some things that aren't um, they're not as they're not as bad well and it repeats this
1: this section repeats parts of what's referenced in other gospels yeah like like him appearing to Mary Magdalene um, the the two disciples he appears to is probably a reference to Jesus in Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus. So it's well, it's, it's th- not that we're saying these things are untrue. Yeah. We're just saying it's not the Bible.
0: So you have you have a reference to Luke 8 with Mary Magdalene and the demons. You have uh you have the the Jesus appears to what's going to be Paul. Um and you have uh what the, then you have this great commission. I this is the part that stands out, right? This is the great commission. Mm-hmm. So so let's let's talk a little bit about this. That's um, the strange part. It is. It's weird. It's it's because tr- like when people think of the Great Commission, they don't think of this Great Commission. Right. This one's very different than the rest, and it causes a lot of confusion. So um, there are. Uh, let, let's start with the first part, which is you have to be baptized, mm-hmm. right? So let's. Um, this is often used a lot by those who say you must get baptized to be saved, because he says, right, whoever believes. And is baptized, mm-hmm. will be saved. So it's not enough just to believe, but you also have to be baptized. So um, what's the problem with that? Why can't we just go, you know what? That works. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's in there.
1: Well, the, the problem is the, the rest of Scripture makes it clear that no work saves you. Um, mm-hmm. So the rest of the Bible, um, this would be a stark doctrinal contradiction right. in the Bible, if this were part of the Bible. Um, because... I think Scripture makes it clear that we're not saved by any works that we do, which would include baptism. Right. Um, that doesn't mean we shouldn't get baptized. There are verses that encourage us to be baptized. I would even use the word command us to be baptized. Um, but as a prerequisite uh, for eternal life versus condemnation, like it's presented here and, and at the ending of or the so-called ending of Mark, I, I, I don't think uh, that's the that's the correct doctrine. So I think this stands in contrast to. What's presented in the rest of Scripture?
0: Yeah, um, the second part we see obviously is, are the signs um, that's going to accompany uh, believers. Because this seems like a very blanket statement that anyone who believes should be able to do these things. Well, and and I think I think
1: it's. Um it's kind of in line with what you see Paul addressing when he writes letters to the Corinthian church. Yeah. Um, he writes about speaking in tongues. He writes about gifts of healing, those types of things. But he says, don't over-prioritize those and not everyone will have these gifts. So he makes right. it very clear. This isn't something that's going to accompany everyone who believes. And then, and then he actually tells the church at Corinth to emphasize love above all things rather than certain spiritual gifts. And so this is, this, you know we know people in the first century existed that wanted to overemphasize gifts right. and so that's why it makes sense that these gifts are mentioned in the in the addendum or the addition to Man, Mark. i think it's
0: a great point right because when you say paul addresses these very things Mm-hmm. So, and, and and ask rhetorically does everyone have the gift of teaching right. does everyone have the gift of healing? Um, so but it's because it's, this is where now I'm not as familiar with like snake handling churches I know they exist uh, I'm very familiar with are them, you obviously really? For real no, no okay. <laughs> I didn't know if you'd ever been to one've
1: I've never been and seen it in person although yeah. I think it would be fascinating to do
0: I don't want to see them in person I don't think I would hold them
1: <laughs> with my own hands right. but I think I'd like to be there and see it happen like from a you know reasonably safe
0: distance. Okay, so the first part of this ending references Luke. Then we see some things that are, are um, in principle, true, um, in the sense of like those who believe should be baptized, and those who believe will be saved, and those who don't believe are going to be condemned. That's a there's a principle that's true in there. Yeah. Um. What What's wrong with the idea that that Okay, that that we're we're going to be able. Okay, I'm gonna read it. I wanna make sure Yeah, like so so. (laughs) Yeah, that we're gonna be able to cast out demons, speak new tongues. They're gonna pick up serpents with their hands. Now we see that Paul deals with this. This sounds
1: a lot like um. Oh, what's the Professor X's school?
0: (laughs) (laughs) School for extraordinary
1: gentlemen or whatever. You know, like students.
0: Paul in Acts, he ends up on an island. He With does. A, where there are serpents.
1: Right. And well, there's an account in Acts where, where a snake actually bites the apostle Paul. He picked Yeah. And he's and he sh- kind of shakes it off. Yeah. Does the old Taylor Swift shake it off there. And the the natives of that island um think that he is a god. That right. he is that he is some kind of deity because they they evidently know the snake. They know what kind it is, and it's it's a venomous snake. It's mm-hmm. a snake that you should you should really just kind of keel over right. when when and he shakes it off and so there is i think there's a miracle that happens do you with think the at all Paul. that is all
0: it inspires this in the early oh, church oh yeah
1: yeah i think so and I, and i would even go so far as to say that there were probably instances where Either either a one-time thing, which is probably most likely, but maybe even multiple occurrences right. of some kind of poison, whether it was by persecution, somebody had tried to poison some people in the church or whatever, um, or by mistake, but that they survived this somehow. So w- I think that those things very likely happened in the first century, yep. and that's how it made its way into...
0: Now, you wouldn't uh, say this, this is, I think, there, I've heard some people say, well, this is dealing with people like Paul. But this seems to be a blatant statement on anyone who believes right, should be right. able to do these things. Right.
1: That's where you get into the Mutant Academy. That's, right. That's, <laughs> that's right. You know, when you become a Christian, you come to the Professor X's Mutant Academy, yeah. and you can s- suddenly drink you know, All right. arsenic and whatever.
0: I got, I, got, I, wanna, I got a question that I'm curious about. Is it, is it problematic that I know from a thousand years back, right, that people have been questioning this, but there was a, there was a thousand years where, I, not a full thousand, but, but a long hundreds of years mm-hmm. where people thought this was part of Scripture, well, we don't know for
1: sure that it was, you know, like a full thousand because because we're not really right. sure when the entrance of it happened.
0: It's pretty long ago though. I mean, it, it is.
1: Yeah. There there're probably hundreds of years where where so in theory generations of people yeah. genuinely thought this was part of
0: I, I I think you can take it back to like the 200s. Yeah. 3rd century. So if you can if you can do that, um I mean, that's a long time where Christians believed it. Is is that is that problematic? that christians that many christians i say would have read this many of them wouldn't have been able to read this yeah but what what i guess what i'm more fascinated about is even though this was in um in a lot of people's bibles for hundreds of years there's not it didn't impact very much at all right well and and again it's not um like i said
1: most of the things here are not things that are completely untrue they're right. not blatantly right arguing against other parts of the Bible. Yes. I think they were added, maybe maybe with not the purest of motives, but but definitely not like heinous motives. Yeah. They weren't added by like weird cults or people that were trying to deceive other people or whatever. Um, and, and so like you have this phenomenon that's happening, but I actually think it, it helps to prove the validity of Scripture in that um, the church eventually, it took them some time, but eventually recognized, okay, that's not genuine.
0: Um, Well, that's, that's my point, is that out of all the things that are in here, you look at this little area, this scripture that makes a pretty strong claim and when you study like Church fathers, they're they're not saying, hey, you should be able to go handle snakes. Right. It's right. almost like you. It, it's almost like this was excluded. Or and again, I, I haven't. I don't know how far back they were questioning it, but it definitely doesn't seem to impact the systematic doctrine of, of the early church.
1: Well, and what's encouraging is it was definitely questioned even before earlier manuscripts were dug up physically. Yeah. yeah. It was questioned before that, and so, um, so I think what it shows is that. That the church, through I think through the aid of the Holy Spirit, even earlier than it was verified by archaeology, began to question and mm-hmm. say, "Hey, this doesn't really feel like yeah. the Word of God."
0: Yeah, this whole idea of handling—something going
1: going wrong here, right? Yeah, and um, and yeah, so so like someone who's a King James only person would right. say, "You're taking stuff out of the Bible," yeah. to which I would say, "No," because because we are. You see this purifying of of a recognition of, yeah. of of what is actually truest to the very earliest manuscripts. I, of I w- the scriptures. I want to
0: explain that position real quick. Yeah. So the KJV only crowd. Well, w- good luck. Yeah, they they <laughs> um they, they would say there's a group of manuscripts, the, the ones that were used to make the KJV, that those are the only ones that we should. That we, that are, have any validity? They're not the oldest ones, which is problematic. Right. Uh, but we're those are the only ones that are valid, and they have to keep to that. Even though now we have older ones, they have to keep to that because older ones um, show where the variances are. Right. And so uh, and so now they can't if if they if they uh, you know green light those earlier manuscripts, then they have to admit that there's variances in their KJV that are not in the original. And there's another question of like,
1: does should it does it or should it bother a Christian that there are variances in the manuscripts?
0: No. Why? Well, first off, I would think it's. I think it's amazing that. We know where they where those are. So the amount of manuscripts we have is is just incredible, incredible. Um, so we know where they are. But I think the reason why a lot of them exist, why well, I say I think I, I know why the reason a lot of them exist is because people would handwrite these over and over and over again. Many scholars are across the world, different ages. So it's not like three guys doing it. Um, we they would make notes in the margins, and sometimes when they would be rewritten, it was hard to see okay where are their notes, where are where where is this the actual text, and where is you know what that phenomenon is like? What's that? It's
1: like when it's like when you were in, you know, like elementary school, probably high school for you, and you had to make like a poster board, and you begin to do like your bubble letters, yeah. and they look really good, and then you start realizing, <laughs> I'm going to run out of poster board, right. and I've got to make some notes over here. And so you kind of like squish it all together. Yeah. I, I feel like that's, you know, when they're writing on scrolls with quills, I right. feel like their, uh, their notes of what they were doing kind of some, sometimes got squished up against the, the yeah. actual scriptures. And
0: we can see exactly where they are. So even, even like people like Bart Ehrman who – um, is sought out to disprove the Bible, right? He wrote a book called Misquoting Jesus, and at the end of it, he basically says, "Listen, we know 99.9 percent of what's in the Bible in the original. We mm-hmm. know it. Yeah. There's only about and out of the and, and out of the point whatever it is that we don't we're not you know we're not quite sure he would include this. Um, you know, you know, very little bit affects doctrine." At all, right? Um, and and even it's, it's very it's not ma- ma- uh, major doctrines. Um, so th- I think I think the when you realize how this became to be bound like it is, and when you start to study that, not only do you see how incredible it is that it's preserved, um, but how and in- how insane it is that we know exactly where the variances are, and it's it's not actually. It's not that crazy. There, there are there are a few, um, and we're not to, not to leave Mark, but like there's a few that I think uh, does Jesus curse the fig tree before going into Jerusalem or after, or did he curse too? Um, so like to me, I don't think it matters. Right. Um, but like that's an example of one. We, it doesn't change anything about anything. Right. Um, but it's it's one, that's like an example of like an a variance that we, we we just don't know.
1: Well, there's another part in in Mark actually. I, I think it's Mark where uh, there's repetition where Jesus is talking about hell. Yeah. And um, in some manuscripts, not the oldest ones, but in some manuscripts it says a statement of Jesus three times. It's repetition. Mm -hmm. But then as they discovered older manuscripts, it only said it once. Right. And so uh, scribes who copied it uh, wanted to emphasize that or or maybe it was a form of like instead of doing an underline or – you know, really emphasizing it with punctuation, they wrote it three times.
0: Yeah, and so it, that's that's a great. So like, therefore, it, that would be counted as three variances, right? Um, and then if it was rewritten, that would be counted as nine variances. Right. This one, this right. not even this, uh, and something that doesn't make something untrue. Just yeah, it's just the exact something. same sentence. Yeah. like there's no text variance. We saw one in First John, right? When they mm-hmm. when they when right. they wrote in, a, like, he kind of works in the Trinity. Um, as like a note It's a Trinitarian verse yeah right. yeah and um, it's it's a note not in the actual text right but uh, again doesn't doesn't change anything really
1: right you know what's interesting though is I think I think it's interesting like in in the Bible you have sitting here and the one I have sitting here and almost all the scripture at least in English I'm not sure about other languages but at least in English um, the copies of the Bible that we have modernly um, still include these things yeah. I think it's interesting. Dude, no, I love it. I but. love it.
0: Because it's, it, it's like transparency, right? It's like saying, yeah. hey, listen, we've, we have this text. Um, it's in a lot of very old manuscripts. We don't really know what to do with it. We don't want to throw it out completely because it's a part of church history that we should mm-hmm. acknowledge and, and discuss. So um, I like that. So
1: what I think is cool about our church is like we want to – we don't want to like – like you said, we're not embarrassed by it. We don't want to hide um, we don't want to pretend like this text doesn't exist or anything like that. But I think um, just because our ministry is before the Lord Jesus and we're going to be held accountable to that, I think I think it would feel a little bit wrong to, to treat this like Holy Scripture. Right. Because I don't think it is. Right. And so if we dedicated like a whole Sunday to preaching this text, um, reading it publicly, things like that, I just don't think it – to treat it like Scripture when it's – all evidence seems to point to that it's not scripture. I yeah. think would just be. And we weird. talked
0: about this like over a year ago. Like, what are we gonna do at the end of Mark?
1: Yeah, because we were nervous about it. Because it was like, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get to the end of Mark and just stop at verse eight, and everyone's gonna be like, my King James Bible <laughs> has this. And right. You don't preach the whole
0: Bible, you know. So we wanted yeah. to address it, you know, and deal with it. Absolutely. And and so that's partly why we wanted to do this was just to explain why we didn't. There's certain principles there. Um, and and I think what's important is that uh, the church knows Knows, um, I think there's an aspect of knowing church history that's incredibly important, but also knowing your Bible uh, and knowing um, the variances that that are present that we know are not in the original manuscripts. It's important for people to know that. Well,
1: it's crazy how many people might not even realize that this part wasn't in yeah. the original, or that it's not sc- inspired scripture. And so, like, I think I think it's not taught on enough um, yeah. because I, I think I think Christians ought to be able to defend the Bible itself. Right. And know that, hey, yes, it's been copied by man. We don't have to shy away from that because that's what you hear from skeptics a lot. Well, well, the Bible's been changed over years because it's been copied by man. Well, you don't have to lose all of your faith, or you know, because because man copied it over and over, and and we can show that man messed up doing that, yeah. right? And we can also show that through time, um, the church has worked very hard to find those things that were added by man and what's genuinely inspired by God.
0: I know I know Pastor Jabes has got this from somebody but he talked about how the humility of jesus is seen by allowing an imperfect people to represent him on earth yeah if he's a if he's if the That's lord good. is good it is if how you know he
1: got that from somebody maybe james just came up it was
0: it, well, it probably was i just don't want to give him credit yeah so if he was <laughs> That's willing <good> preaching <laughs> if he was if he's willing to do that think about the further of humility of like i'm gonna let you preserve my word and mm-hmm. i'm going to ensure it and yeah you're you're going to copy it over um, you know, I'll reveal variances, uh, and I think I think there's something pretty amazing to that. Um, yeah, I, I, I've I've always been really encouraged by studying um, the textual evidence for inspiration, and I just would highly encourage everyone to do it. I, it it is one of those more academic things, but it's a um, it's it's a highly encouraging thing, and it gives you confidence in in what you are reading. So have you,
1: have, as we kind of close down, have you ever held a snake before?
0: Yeah, I used to, yeah, I used to. In the wild or like at a zoo? Neither. So there's, I used to own two snakes. Um, really? Yeah, I used to own two snakes and a tarantula. And I, one was a wild snake and we used to feed it mice and we fed it a gerbil once. Um, that's incredibly cruel. You know, that's what my, that's what my aunt said at one point. I remember her getting upset that we fed it. It was either a gerbil or a hamster. Well, I'm okay with mice, but if you feed a but gerbil, wait, okay, that's, what's that's what's inhumane. That's it's a inhumane, rodent. man. No, that's just
1: you feed a Dude. mouse, but a gerbil is just like it's domesticated.
0: So I was, I was at now the Hewitts also Ben Hewitt, Sarah Hewitt. The Hewitts have, run a zoo. They have five snakes. Yes. And he picked up. He was like, "This is a really friendly snake." And he picked it up. This was uh, Sunday, and he's holding it, and it literally bites his finger and latches onto his finger. And he's like, "I'm like, does that hurt?" He's like, "No, it's not that bad." He can't get it off his finger. He starts. He starts pulling it, and it sounds like Velcro. The teeth are like tearing into. His oh my gosh! Skin. I'm not kidding. And he, he finally has to run the snakes. He has to, like waterboard the snake and put it under the faucet. He finally pulls it off. There's like teeth marks in blood, and blood. He's like, "Ah, oh, that's all." All right, he's living out Mark Dude, sixteen. Right, it bites him three more times before he gets it back. <laughs> oh my lord! Then
1: <laughs> so takes a ba- shot of arsenic too, and he's like, "The Lord will preserve me." Based
0: off that, yeah, he is, you know he's he's living out Mark sixteen. Oh my goodness! So yeah, I'm not a, but I'm not a big snake fan. I'm not a big animal fan at all.
1: Well, I think there's a reason Satan was a serpent.
0: Ooh, yeah, because
1: it's it's just the worst. <laughs> Just the worst of animals.
0: Oh, fair enough. Well, hey, listen, uh, I, I, I appreciate you taking this time to uh, do a little video.
1: I appreciate you joining me on this couch,
0: <laughs> on this wonderful new couch. Yeah, oh, revived, oh, revived, revived, revived couch, couch, yes. couch. Yeah. All right, Church. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in and listening. Make sure you listen to past shows. You can get them on Spotify or our app or iTunes, or any place in the world that provides uh, podcasts. (laughs) Those are the only three I know. Anyways, have a great day. Peace be with you.